Welcome to Free Christian Church of God's Audio Outreach Ministry. For more information regarding the Audio Outreach Ministries, or to order past messages, please contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. And now here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message. Uh, Today I'll be preaching from Titus, uh, the book of Titus, chapter 2. That's the big two. Start with the little one there. Kids are dismissed. This is, this is kind of part two to what I preached last week. So if you didn't make it last week, I think you'll be okay. It should still make sense. But I would encourage you uh, to go back and check out last week's sermon. And it sounds like my dad will have part three next week. So get last week, pay attention this week, and then pay attention next week too. That would be tremendous. So the book of Titus chapter 2. We're going, to read, we're going to read a lot here, all right? There's something in here for everyone. If you pay close attention, something's going to hit you right between the eyes here in Titus. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men, who are you? Who are you out there? All right, raise your hand. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, keep your hands down. We won't play that game anymore. (laughs) Likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters. In everything, they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, not showing Uh, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. 
Folks, that was a sermon right there. That's a sermon right there. Let's pray. God, the power and authority of your word is staggering. God, might we be a people today, uh, though the word is declared, might it also be received and taken serious and meditated upon and then lived upon. God, we need the power of your Holy Spirit to do such a thing. And God, we are a people filled with your spirit. So might it be as your word says it is, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I know I kept you standing there for a long time. I appreciate that. What a charge at the end of the scripture there, verse 15. What an assignment for not only the preacher, but also for the church. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. I like that. All throughout history, great themes or subjects have always produced great speeches, no matter what the arena is. But especially in the church. Where there is great doctrine, where there is biblical preaching, where there is theology on fire, and when there is the belief from the listeners in the authority of God's words, these two intensities collide and you have something miraculous. The foolishness of preaching. But as we spoke last week, We're in an age where doctrines have become shallow. Attention spans have shrunk. We are educated by a wide variety of options now given to a TikTok theology. Therefore, preaching has declined, and the hunger for preaching has declined. And as preaching has gone down, counseling has gone up. Mental sickness has gone up. Depression has gone up. Anxiety has gone up. Suicide has gone up. Crime has gone up. Divorce has gone up. Fatherlessness has gone up. Sin has gone up. And our nation has declined. You can't argue that. We've come to desire the secondary over the primary. You see, all throughout Christ's ministry, he performed amazing miracles, but all the miracles were secondary. We want the supernatural over the natural. We want the signs and the wonders over the word. We need to get back to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he will add these things unto us. Making that, making the kingdom the sole focus of our gatherings and he will add the extras. 
So I want to ask you this question today before we get too far into this. What is it that we long for today? What is our aim? What satisfies our hunger? What satisfies our thirst? What hydrates a dry spirit? What is it that will accomplish today? What is it that will succeed today? What will make this gathering of believers today a success? Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the hearer, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You see, it's not just rain that's being spoken of here, not just water, it's life. It's speaking of life exactly as verse 10 is, verse 11 is. It's going to do what it does. Cause and effect. It's a promise of life. Without the word, there is no life. Without the word, the seeds dry up and blow away. Without the word, all go hungry. Much emphasis has been placed recently on outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Revivals, spiritual works, and awakenings. Are they real? Absolutely. Absolutely they happen. Are they all real? No. They are not all real. Now, this isn't the uh, popular opinion right now. Uh, This is put a target on your back uh, type material. But it's the truth. Just because someone says God is moving does not mean that God is moving. God moves in certain ways. God moves in ways that matches the Scripture. There's an old saying that says, where there's smoke, there's fire. That's not always true. Sometimes where there's smoke, it's actually just foggy. You know the smoky mountains? That's not really smoke. (laughs) But if they're real... If there's smoke and there's fire, they last. They will last. We must consider that the word of God will lift the fog. The word of God will lift the fog. And in that, you critics of people who want to divide things with the word of God, people who call that legalism, That's not legalism. 
to divide something with Scripture is Christian living. It's Christian living. I don't mind when someone questions my beliefs or someone questions my preaching as long as they're doing it with the Word of God. They are commanded to do so. Commanded to do so. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. That's like a swear word nowadays, doctrine. If something is a true filling of the Spirit, it will produce fruit. It will produce eternal fruit. The scary thing is, and, and I want you to hear me out on all of this, okay? Don't jump to a conclusion, then go to Facebook and attack what I'm saying, and not put my name, please put my name on it if you're going to do that, so I don't have to wonder if you're talking about me. What scares me, this famine that we live in, have been living in, has heightened our sense for Pentecost, right? Now, that don't sound bad, but here's where you have to hear me out. We want the rain to fall. We want the winds to blow. We want the tongues of fire to proceed. But what happens when the highs sink and the music stops? What happens when you're back to work and family and chores and the crowds leave and the hallways are empty? What's there when it's back to the everyday grind of the Christian life? The Word remains. The word remains, 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Christian, the day you were saved was your Pentecost. NASA doesn't cheer when the rocket ship is fueled. It's necessary, but it's not the end in itself. It's not the mission. It's not the commission. It's the preparation for the mission. The world cheers when the rocket launches. That's what everybody wants to see. You don't need another Pentecost. Set the fuel on fire and burn. Set the fuel on fire and move. You see, Jesus had announced the follow-up to Pentecost even before the day of Pentecost. 
I asked myself this question this week, and I'd like you to do the same. What if we got as excited about his words and his current work as we do anticipation of something that he never promised would happen again? A second Pentecost. What Jesus did say would happen after Pentecost was this. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It will last. Pentecost was the channel that launched. Are you ready for this? The channel that launched this very miraculous hand of God, Christ, heartbeat, movement called the local church. I know, right? So anticlimactic, right? Just that's not what you expected. You wanted something bigger. You wanted something with more emotion and more pizzazz and more flash, but it's all the local church. What happened then, what happened at Pentecost was for the purpose of right now. Right now, what we are doing now, the gathering and the growing or expanding of his church both locally and globally. It's not necessarily flashy, nor does it always feel supernatural, but the miracle of Pentecost is the church. Christ's church. So anything that takes away from the local church or would draw people away from the local church is anti-Pentecost. The church is God's plan. The church is Christ's work, and the word is the heartbeat of his people. Therefore, preaching is always primary in Christ's church. It waters, and it grows, and it feeds, and it matures. So the sequel to Pentecost is still playing today. We are a part of it, and it's not Pentecost again. It's not Pentecost part two. It's the local church, Christ's church. So the supernatural Pentecost brought about the seemingly natural church. Think of what follows Acts. Think of what follows Acts 2. Letters, right? Letters to who? Preachers and churches. Most of them fighting to keep their head above the water. Fighting for some relief, fighting for some meat. Immediately after Pentecost, Peter steps out onto the steps and steps upon toes. Filled with the Spirit, Peter preached a doctrinally rich sermon. 
It's what real preaching does. The Bible says he lifted up his voice and addressed them. That's preaching. And then he quotes scripture. That's also preaching. Preaching always is built around the scripture. And then Peter does something that people don't like about preaching, but it is preaching. He gets to the you of it. He gets to the you. And we read about this in Acts 2, uh, 22. We're going to read kind of throughout this, so just kind of hang on and, and ride along here. 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified, yikes, You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And then I think he probably paused for dramatic effect because that's what preaching does. God raised him up. Oh, the controversial words right there. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Peter's saying, let me introduce you to the gospel. Skip down to verse 32. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, here we go again, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter said to them, this is real preaching, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You want Pentecost, repent and be baptized and you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's how it's going to work from now on. You see, the purpose of the Spirit of God is to lead us to Christ. In Acts 2, the Spirit of God led the people then to gather in an orderly manner. Not out of order, not chaos, orderly manner. To engage in worship and discipleship and missions Ta-da! The local church. Here you are. 
here you are. You see, the emphasis on this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit was placed on the gathering and the sending out of the local church. And the rest of the story, go home and read it for yourself, the rest of the story is focused on the organizing of the people of God who then come together from different backgrounds, in different races, in different ages, in different occupations, all under the head that is Christ Jesus. So, so the Holy Spirit is present in his church. Right here in this place. More than that, the Holy Spirit of God is omnipresent and doesn't need to be chased down to experience it. The present resides in all who have called upon the name of the Lord. Pentecost of the heart in the engaging in the church. Welcome to revival, church. So what is our aim? Is it Acts 2 or is it Titus 2? See why we long for Acts 2? <laughs> Seems like a lot less work. A lot less commanded from us. You mean I have to sit down with the young wives and teach them how to be better wives to their husband? Yeah. That's what the Bible says. You mean I have to take these young men, look at them over there paying attention, proud of you guys. I have to take these young men and I have to build them up into God. Yes, you do. Well, I'm going to need a Pentecost for that. Well, congratulations. You're born again. You've had one. You've had one. Acts 2 or Titus 2. We need genuine discipleship. We need a reality of godly living. We need grace. We need everyday grace. You see, Pentecost didn't change the world. It's what happened because of Pentecost that changed the world. Acts 8, 4 through 5. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Why are we desiring a filling of what we are already filled with? Set fire to the fuel. That's what needs to happen. You see, God does Acts 2. We do Titus 2. The infallible, incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed that is the Word of God, that is our Bible, from which the church itself is led. It's the blueprint. Then shepherded by fallible men, 
by elders, by pastors, by teachers and overseers who are called to lead and to teach this bride of Christ. He's telling the teachers how to preach and to teach the word. And he's telling the members how to receive the word. Again, preaching isn't everything, but it affects everything. John Piper says of preaching, it's probably one of the best descriptions of it I've ever heard. It said, first there is God, then there is his work and his way in the world. His creation and redemption and providence, then there is his book. His infallible book, the Bible, written by mere men, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Then there is a divine calling, a mystery of providence, family, church, desire, delight, and duty. A preacher comes into being. Then there is the sweat and prayer of preparation. The pounding on the closed door of the text until it cracks and beams of light shine out. Then there is seeing of truth and wisdom and power. And then there is laughter of joy and tears of repentance and in both the savoring, oh, the savoring of the glory. Then all day and if necessary all night, the work of reason and imagination and praying and toiling, weaving dark and bright strands of truth into a fathomable fabric, a message to unfold the people. Then while praying again and again, there is the opening of the mouth, the, her the heralding of the horrors and the glories. There is the explaining, the clarifying, the showing, the amazement, the rejoicing, the exaltation, the offering, the pleading, the looking in the eyes, and all the while there is the utter self-engagement and please God, the utter self-forgetting in the brightness of the truth. And then God knows the everlasting fruit and weariness and thankfulness, and it all begins again. There is nothing comparable to this expository exaltation, preaching, is unique. The foolishness of preaching. You see, there may be believing without seeing, but there is no believing without hearing. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then I want to consider 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. This is the last letter that Paul would pen to Timothy, the young preacher, that Paul had left in Ephesus. He said, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Timothy, 
Preach the word. It may seem foolish, but preach nevertheless. Command my people to hear the word. Command people to believe it and respond to it. Lay it out for them to love the word. Speak it so clear that everyone can understand it. Not just get it, but preach it in a way that it squeezes against the soul of every hearer so it creates conviction and a desire to be changed by the word. Make them feel the weight of the curse of sin. Make them feel the weight of their pride and their rebellion. Hold the people to the truth. Strap their feet to the fire. Preach the word. Herald that which is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the soul, the vision of the soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Get to the you of it, Timothy. Preach the word. Preach the word regardless of the consequences. People will hate you. People will abandon you. People will leave your church. They'll call you legalistic and all sorts of crazy things, but stay the course, Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, preach the word. Church, there's nothing like preaching. If God is commanding, the pre- that was for me, by the way. If God is commanding the preaching of the word, Something else is automatically commanded in that. Preaching takes place in the presence of people. If I have to preach it, you have to listen to it. I don't know who's got the better end of the deal there. You must listen to the word preached. I must listen to the word preached. Hear the word. Surrounded by others. Because the local church, right? Christ is more glorified through us doing things God's way than by us forsaking God's way while presuming to love the Word, while presuming to love the Bible. Well, we're having this movement. We're having this feeling, this revival, and there's no preaching, but we love the Bible. Listen, it's only the truth that sets free. 2 Timothy 4.17, Paul's finishing this letter up. He says, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. This knowledge, this power, this enlightening of the eyes of our hearts comes only by the knowledge of the Word, God's Word. To ask God to do something without the Word being preached or taught or read is severing the body from the head. There's no life once the head is separated from the body. There might be movement, 
oh, it looks like life. There may seem to be a response, many thinking that the kicking and the flailing of the body are signs of life when in fact it's the first sign of death. Once you've decapitated Christ, it makes way for the kicking and flailing that comes with death. Ask yourself this question. Where's the word? And when you find it, you'll know that's where there's life. That's where there's life. So if you want to check the pulse of a movement, you want to check the pulse of a church, you want to check the pulse of a life, then the Bible tells us, commands us to test the spirits. Listen closely to the thumps that come from the pulpit. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The local church Immersed in the power of God's word is revival. That's it. That's revival. The local church, Christ's church, which the gates of hell will not prevail against, immersed in his word, in preaching, in hearing, in action, that's where there's life. That's where there's revival. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful again that your word speaks so clearly. Uh, God, it, sp- it speaks so clear that our flesh really has to put on a show to convince us otherwise. Lord, I pray for your church. Not not the gatherings of people all over the world that come together and sing songs and hear a man speak, but God, I pray for your church that is the church. The church that is the fruit of Pentecost, that is filled with the Spirit, the church that loves the Word, God, might not our tanks just be fueled, but might the ship be ignited as we read about in the books of Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and all the way to the revelation of none other than your Son. God, the world is hungry and starving and still caught in their sin, destined for eternal flames, eternal separation from you. And God, it is our mission, it is our commission to go unto the world and to preach the gospel 
God, we might start with songs. We might start with prayer. But God, raise up in the heart of your men a passion to preach the gospel. Because it's the only thing that feeds the hungry. It's the only thing that waters the seed. It's the only thing that breaks up the soil. God, might we come back to the task at hand. The preaching, the hearing, the loving, the applying, the meditating upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Pastor Jimmy Fry from Free Christian Church of God in Continental Ohio. We hope you have enjoyed today's message and we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Our Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church of God is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. This has been a Free Christian Church of God audio outreach ministries production.